Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I am Sal Nuzzo, Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute. Joining me in the other chair uh, this week is Logan Padgett. Uh, I am not Bob McClure. She is not Bob McClure. <laughs> thank God for that. Uh, Bob is unable to be with us uh, this time around, but uh, we're, we're foraging ahead. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. I'm, it's rare I'm on the podcast. I'm normally the one behind the scenes editing it, but uh, I think this is going to be a really great episode. It's been a really busy week. So much yeah. to so discuss. So let's talk first about the election Tuesday night. Amazing. Right. So what In was, so many respects. What was the biggest takeaway? I think the biggest takeaway was that this election, when you talk about Virginia, when you're talking about how close uh, the Republican in New Jersey got, and then a number of other kind of localized elections, was that this was a policy uh, result, not a culture uh, result, uh, in my opinion. I think that the, the idea that education... Policy in, in, in specifically parents' role right. in their child's education came to the forefront. I think it was, uh, by and large, an election that conservatives won on the battlefield of policy ideas. Right. I think it was great to see Youngkin finally kind of um, take a step forward and not be your average cookie-cutter Republican. And he, he talked about issues that he knows parents care about. And you've got McAuliffe on the other side saying parents do not need to be involved in their kids' curriculum. And that was after a year and a half of parents overseeing Zoom school. Exactly. And you've got Youngkin saying, yeah, they do. And, and parents, we shouldn't be embracing parents, not ignoring them. And, and an I interesting... think that was a huge message that got across. Yeah, and an interesting point that, that I kind of paid attention to in the kind of like the final three or four weeks was that as the teachers union tied themselves closer and closer to McAuliffe, his poll numbers and eventually his electoral number just cratered. And so this is, I think we're beginning to see the sea change of this distinction between supporting teachers, supporting our classrooms, and being opposed to the bullying tactics of uh, kind of the National Teachers Union and some of the things that they've done over the course of the last 18 months in particular. Yeah. And you, I mean, you mentioned a couple of local elections that I thought were interesting. Uh, in Minneapolis, uh, they basically, there was a ballot initiative um, and they said no. The, the ballot initiative was going to replace the police department yep. with a department of public safety. Which didn't even have um, a real clear definition. Right. It was basically a bunch of mental health professionals, essentially, is what I gathered. Um, you've got also in, in Seattle, they were basically like one election away from just complete leftist anarchy. The Democratic People's Republic of Seattle? Right. Maybe brought like back seceding. from the break. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and I say that because so there was, um, uh, they had an opportunity basically to ins install the most radical group of anti-police politicians, like folks that came out and declared themselves as police abolitionists. Uh, you had the, the mayor's race, um, the city attorney candidate, um, uh, a council candidate, all, I mean, they all lost. 
they all lost. Um, you also had Francis Suarez. Yeah, great shout out to a good friend of JMI's, yeah. uh, Mayor Francis Suarez in Miami, coasted to re-election. I think that bodes really, really well for South Florida, all of the initiatives and efforts he's taken on with respect to recruiting uh, folks from California, from the West Coast, from Silicon Valley to uh, relocate to Miami and kind of turn South Florida into now they're calling it instead of the Miami moment, the Miami movement. And I think that is a tremendous trend that uh, kind of you have this dynamic in which uh, kind of mayors and local government officials are recognizing that the future of their, whether it's their metropolitan area or the state at large, is in bringing innovation, in bringing in high tech uh, diversification of the economy. And that's going to be uh, tremendous uh, in the years to come. Right. So looking ahead, I mean, I think this past election day, um, it, it, what we learned has a lot to say for the upcoming election. Um, there was a new poll that just came out, the Florida Chamber uh, poll, that shows Governor DeSantis leading against Charlie Crist by 7% um, and then against Nikki Freed by 9%. Yep. I thought that was interesting. And Florida is like a handful of states where our governor's election is on the midterms, not with mm -hmm. the president. So um, I'm going to be interested to kind of see how the wave of conservatives that are coming up into the midterm elections for Congress, for the Senate seats that are up uh, in the U.S. Senate, how does that kind of transfer over to Governor DeSantis's prospects for re-election? He appears to be fairly popular right now, even though kind of we had the summer surge of Delta. That has gone down. We now have, I believe it's the lowest uh, number of cases per capita in the United States. So um, other states are now seeing their Delta surge. We've kind of gone through ours. So how this looks for 2022 is going to be incredibly interesting because I, I think the U.S. Congress, there's only uh, like a, a less than a dozen vote margin between Democrats and Republicans. The Senate, the U.S. Senate is tied at 50-50. Uh, and the map looks really good for Republicans. So do conservatives um, kind of, do they bring through a policy framework much like 1994, or is this something different? Right. And I think as the, the midterm elections loom, um, another poll, it really should come as, as no surprise, but an NBC poll found that only 54% or 54% of Americans disapprove of Biden's performance. And I think that that shouldn't come as a surprise, but I also think it's telling for the 2022 midterm election. As well. Yeah. And, and yeah. this, this cannot be a surprise to anybody. I, I think if we're looking at inflation, particularly what people are paying at the pump, mm -hmm. the shortages that we're seeing, not just in grocery stores. I was having a conversation just the other day with uh, someone who was talking about the fact that it is nearly impossible to buy a car right now. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I've been I've been shopping for a car. We did a nationwide search of the car that we're looking for, and there were five available. And, and, and then if you find one, the markup, I mean, they're exactly. going for six to, I've seen some even ten to $15,000 over MSRP. 
It's insane. And that is, I mean, MSRP used to be the point at which you would negotiate down from. Correct. Now it's the point at which you're bidding up the price of a car. None of this is going to help the president. Uh, I also think it's very important to put this in the context of what the U.S. Congress is going through and trying to consider these huge government bills, uh, the, the infrastructure bill, the reconciliation bill. All of these things that are just kind of kind of usher in the left's agenda. Uh, we are once again uh, looking at uh, two Democrat senators, uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, as kind of the voices of reason mm-hmm. to keep those things from the brink. Uh, and uh, you know, I can't imagine that the the Democrat National Committee has got to be happy right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of still in the same, uh, topic of politics policy, we just heard there'll be a special session got announced last week. Special session. Uh, and it was very interesting because, uh, the governor held uh, the press conference. We did not see uh, house and Senate leadership with him, but they Mm -hmm. came out, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, with announcements. And, uh, I'm waiting to hear kind of what the specifics of the legislation is going to look like. I've actually heard a couple of different things. One that, um, it might be an outright ban on employer, uh, vaccine mandates. Another that it might just be more of a process oriented, uh, type of policy where, if an employee is let go because of a vaccine mandate in the private sector, what are the kinds of things that go along with that? Uh, things like, you know, kind of avoiding any non-competes and things mm-hmm. along those lines. So I'm really intrigued to see what the specifics yeah. of the legislation will go, look like, like. Full Greg Abbott, Texas approach, yep. or will it be a little bit? A little different, so uh, keep you posted. Yep, on and that. that's uh, November 11th to, or the the week of November 11th, yeah. I believe, is the is yeah. the special session. Yeah. So, uh, in the middle of all of the pre session committee weeks, and now they're coming back in for another one of those. I know it's shaping up to be a very dense and and kind of packed legislative agenda for 2022. This will probably only add to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving along, sports. We always like to talk about some sports and. Um, I think Bob is probably better suited to talk about that, but I can hold my own in sports a little who, bit. Who are Co- your top four yeah, for college, college football? football. Yep. Um, and I will say I, I'm I'm a proponent of a six-team a six playoff. Oh, you're one of those. I am one of those because, I mean, first of all, I didn't even know since he had a football team until this year. I, I mean... I, I'm with you on that one. I can't be the only one. Yep, there you go. I'm with my you. my top yep. four, if I had to choose, would be Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma. But yep. then I do think you leave out Michigan State and Ohio State. I think you leave, and those are both great teams. Michigan, I mean, Ohio State does have a one loss, but here, here's the question: the the more that you add to the college playoff, how much do you take away from the every Saturday kind of feel for what college football has been? Now, I know when they went to the fourteen playoff. I was a purist. I was of the opinion that any college football playoff would take away from the the way in which mm-hmm. those Saturdays felt. And I was wrong on that because yeah. the, the, the four-team playoff is fantastic. If you go to a six-team or an eight-team playoff, which even some are, are, are kind mm-hmm. of arguing for, does it diminish the Saturdays uh, in the fall? No, I don't think so. And I... I... 
I'll take back a little bit of what I said. If, I think if Cincinnati makes it, I'll feel a little bit better. I think right now they're ranked second. I think one poll's got yep. them at second. And so I think if they make it, I'll feel better. But at one point when they were fifth or sixth, I was sitting there thinking, what is it going to take for them to make it? Are they Because it's all strength of schedule in the ranking at that point. Correct. And so, I mean, are we still going to continue to see the Alabama-Ohio State? I mean, I'm glad to see Georgia in it this year. But I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing the same teams over and over again. And so I think I'm, I'm glad to see that Cincinnati is, is hopefully going to make the cut. And speaking of Georgia shift sports, let's talk yeah. the World Series how about the irony of the the kind of the woke culture hammering Georgia and Texas for their attempts in in kind of uh, restoring trust in the election process mm-hmm. uh, on the heels of 2020? Uh, they kind of got boycotted. They yeah. pulled the All Star Game out of Atlanta. Uh, Texas got hit pretty hard from kind of the, the, the woke culture. And right. then who's in the World Series? The Houston Astros and the right. Atlanta Braves. Who wins it? The Atlanta the Braves. The Atlanta Braves. I was glad to see it. Glad to see it. You've got to appreciate a little bit of the irony in the Major League Baseball commissioner having to hand that trophy to the Atlanta Braves after they secured it. And, uh, and huge congratulations to Braves fans all over the place. Uh, it, it, it's one where I think even after last year, I saw a, a fun map where it showed the United States and it was like, you know, a, l- a little bit, uh, the Houston area where the Houston fans and the rest of the country were Atlanta Braves fans. Uh, as a, as a Yankees fan, I, you know, it, 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 the world series meant nothing to me, yeah, but, uh, I, same. I, you know. I was, I'm a Cubs fan. And so I saw the Cubs posted an amazing picture of when they won the World Series, and the the caption was just "the standard has been set." Yep, and it was literally, I mean, Wrigley Field. They were shoulder to shoulder celebrating, and one of the best days. So, uh, shifting sports once again, we'll talk. Uh, I had the uh, absolute pleasure of getting to uh, attend. My first ever Formula One race, the Grand Prix out in Austin. Uh, it was, I had never been to an open wheels race. I had t- attended a few NASCAR races earlier in my life and, and it was interesting. I got completely hooked on <laughs> F1. Uh, I, in advance of going, I was able to binge this incredible Netflix series called Drive to Survive, which I had not realized so that there are... Uh, 10 teams in Formula One. Each team has two cars. And so if you can imagine the drama that unfolds between the competing drivers on one team, the competing teams between one another, the manufacturers, the everything... It was made for a reality series, and Netflix has just knocked it out of the park. I think they've got three seasons of it, and they've already contracted for a fourth. It was something unlike anything I've ever seen. And so I go to this race, and, I, and I'm kind of learning as I go, and then uh, had the opportunity to uh, engage with a little bit of the, uh, of the crew and everything else, and, and came away looking at these drivers and realizing, all right, they're they're 22, 23 years old. They're driving these multi-million dollar cars 190 miles an hour down a straightaway without any fear whatsoever. 
And uh, the, it, whether it's the computer systems, the tires, the pit changes, it was all amazing. And, and I thought, oh, this is really, really interesting. I wonder how many people are into this. The drivers have like a million and a half yeah, followers the, on yeah. Twitter. And the sponsorship yeah. money, I mean. $500 million a year to sponsor a team. I was just, I, I realized I was late to the game, which is a story of my life. I was late to the game in this one, but I'm absolutely addicted now. This is not, I know this is an F1, this is NASCAR, but I think that folks are getting a little bit more into racing. And I wonder if it has anything to do with this new cultural phenomenon of let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. And it, it took yep. me a long time to, I honestly, I consider myself pretty up to date on what's going on culturally. And I kept seeing let's go Brandon and I, I had to Google it. You were I, wondering who Brandon yeah, was. I was trying to figure out who Brandon was and why people were posting, um, let's go Brandon on social media. And so to explain, um, there was a, I guess there was a driver, Brandon. I, the but la- I believe it was NASCAR. It, it was NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, it was an F1. But I mean, I think people are getting behind racing in general because, yep. because of maybe this and just the the interest in F1. But um, I guess there was a racer. Uh, his first name was Brandon. He won a NASCAR race. He was being interviewed by someone who uh, overheard a crowd chanting for him, thought they were saying, let's go, Brandon, when in actuality they were saying, F Joe Biden. Yep. Um, And it's now turned into this cultural phenomenon. I mean, there's like a a rap song. It's not an appropriate rap song, so, you know, be careful if you Google it. But there's a rap song. I mean, there's this entire phenomenon that people are posting on social media. And I think it's it's an interesting way for people to express their disdain or vent about the Biden administration policies in a somewhat respectful way without... Using profanity. E- emphasis on the somewhat. Yeah, there. somewhat. I mean, I mean, there's, yeah, they're they're still speaking out against the president of the United States, but they're doing so in a way where they're not using profanity. profanity. Um, and I it's think that euphemism. that's interesting. And I, I really think it's different than what we saw during the Trump administra- well, administration, and, and because in my opinion, we we did not see. A let's go Brandon no, movement no, no, no. during it was quite the opposite. One of my favorite uh, pastimes is of you know of course like many pointing out hypocrisy. So <laughs> the idea that the left has taken this um, what might have been an innocuous thing and turned it into a uh, a charge of whether it's domestic terrorism or what have you when for four years love him or hate him they went after. President Donald Trump with the exact opposite. They used the profanity, whether it was at the Oscars or whether it was at rallies or whether it was um, uh, Madonna talking about bombing the White House or what have you. They did not hold back. And so you had that for four years. And now because uh, of the kind of the growth of this euphemism and this catchphrase that's allowed people to vent their frustrations, exactly what you're saying, without using profanity, they're talking about this as kind of the uh, the domestic terrorism of, of 2021. Right. Yeah. They hate it. And I think it's I think it's great. I mean, and if you didn't know what Let's Go Brandon is, like I did... And I had to Google it. You're welcome. You do now. (laughs) Yeah, you do now. And on that note, we'd like to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Spill the Tea. We will see you in two weeks.
Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.